0: Hello, people.
1: Hello, Jared. Come on with it. You ready today, man? I am. I'm. Um, I'm excited that it's. Uh, it's Thursday. We're almost done with the work grind, and um, it's travel weekend, and I, um, I. I. I love it. It is a travel weekend, isn't it? You. Uh, what,
0: what do you think of our intro today? You like it? Here you go. Listen. <laughs> this is actually a true story. Yeah. Here we go. Uh, we'll get to it next time anyway. This is the Lemonheads. This was the Lemonheads. Uh, you remember the Lemonheads? They would have been a little bit older for you, puppy you. Overrated candy. Uh, by far. But the band was brilliant because, for example, this album, It's a Shame About Ray, I don't know what year it came out. Maybe. Well, you know what? I'm sitting here. 1992, right? So that's my. Uh, junior going into senior year. Uh, you know the beauty of it is even the expanded edition, it's 23 songs, grand total of 56 minutes. These songs are 146, 244, 307, 251, 233,
1: 151. They're nothing, man. They're Let me ask you this question. In and out. In and out. That time frame, yes. just because of, you know, I wasn't a huge music kid in middle school because that's what I was in. Is that, is that Bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet?
0: No, that's 80s. That's really? Mi, that's mid-80s. Because,
1: I, I mean, I remember the tape, and I remember playing it in middle school.
0: No, you know what? I mean, thanks to technology, I can tell you exactly. Slippery When Wet album, uh, 1986.
1: Damn it. So I was late to that party, too, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you, uh, let's see, 86... Um I was trying to slow skate to uh, one of Dead or Alive. I don't know. It seemed to work, but <laughs> that, was, that was a tough time. Um, well, here we are. We got another episode. We got yet another kind of an amazing guest in so much that he said yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, and I believe this was one of your uh, fishing for dynamite on Twitter. Uh, just kind of pinged him and he was like, yep, yeah, sounds great. And you took a screenshot, and you're like, "Holy shit!" He's he said yes.
1: Well, I tell you what, he's been in our sports landscape and different um, in in different aspects, uh, pretty much all my whole life. Um, that I've been a fan of all of our sporting franchises, and um, I I'm a fan of his. So yeah. I uh, I'm excited today because um, his reputation, the way he comes off, his demeanor. Well, his his this, alone, um, so, I, this is experience alone. Experience. This is going to be a good
0: one. Uh, which brings me to a recap of our last episode, um, which was episode number forty-three, I believe, forty-three. Yes, forty-three. Uh, we had Ben Hockman on from STL Today, columnist, uh, beat writer uh, for the Cardinals. And now he's covering city, and that and that was just cool, you know, because he's a pro too has been around sports his whole career and kind of comparing and contrasting the experiences with City out of the gate and, um, you know, to what the Cardinals are going through here is a rough start. It, it was just fun. It was fun to listen to. And we got to hear about a Shakespeare project coming up, which, you know, take a listen to the episode. Check it out. Uh, it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great, you know, because City's involved in that, too. They're offering up the space, and they're going to have a say in it, and it's going to be fun.
1: Yeah, that guy... Um, um what an ace um, came off well. I mean, he, he that guy. Think about the sports he's watched, and, and I, you know, this week it's funny. We 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 did the cast, and um, he's had a rough week with the Cardinals, especially. I mean, he has not <laughs> been happy on socials, to, uh, what I can read as far as what he's saying. And uh, well, I mean,
0: forget about forget about the writers. Just look at the public. You know, the fandom. I mean, it's you—you you got pitchforks and and tor- Tiki Torch is coming down Market Street here shortly. Uh, it's not good. No, not good. But, good, but in our world, in the world of the beautiful game, St. Louis City just continues to amaze. Tuesday night, after we spoke with Ben, the two of us walked down from our current hosts here at Spent Brewery, um, walked down to the first Open Cup game uh, of the team's uh, start, and we played Omaha, out of USL 2, and it wasn't close.
1: Yeah. We, it was a good we, game. We got on them quick. Um, but it was 5-1. It was 5-1. I, You know what I noticed? I thought about the next day. Did you see how big Omaha's backs were? When we first walked in, I looked at the lineup. I'm like, holy Christ,
0: this is like the Philadelphia Flyers of the early '90s, like these guys are linemen.
1: Yeah, they were huge. They were they were they were big guys. And then there was a real hard foul right in the middle of the gate. Like it was almost playing. Like he just cleaned the guy right on the sideline. Our guy gets up. I think it was a goal scorer. And he's like, "Really, dude?" And um, then we score. Um, pretty easy game. Lowen's goal. Louvin's goal. It's beautiful. Oh, brother! Well, I mean, was that
0: class or not? No, I think he's he's illustrating. You know, really, the team is illustrating also that ability to. You know we started clearly a b team lineup we all know that the players know that um and here we are three up three or four up or whatever it was and then we bring in lovin and a few other players you know first team players a team players and they just made it look so easy it was
1: fun it's yeah. fun yeah to my knowledge i think the way we started Really the only, there was two players that really had only any substantial first team minutes, and that was Miggy and, Va, and Indy, Indy, Indy. Vaslov Yeah, right in the middle. Yep. Uh, and, and both played well. So it's really exciting
0: because now, you know, we went through the draw for, this, for the next round, which I believe is the fourth round, technically. Uh, we ended up being pulled with uh, Chicago. We drew Chicago. And we will be playing them, based on the calendar, twice within five days uh, both in Chicago, uh, by the luck of the draw. So yeah, that's
1: weird. And did, did you know that um, we we talked, we touched on it early on in the episode with Hackman um, that Union, the Owl, Omaha, the the Owls were not um, they were not going to be slouches. Um, I mean, we did well. Uh, the Chicago Fire, that's one of the MLS teams they knocked off in last year's run. Yeah,
0: yeah, I saw that. You know, and the fire the Fire has been struggling. Uh, identity crisis with uh, their (laughs) from logo to stadium and all this. And they're finally starting to put a product on the field that seems to be competing again uh, after such a, you know, a a rapid start to their career in the league. You know, they, they won it all early a few times and, and then they didn't for a while and now they're kind of competing again. So we'll see what happens. Um, The other big news today out of city, was the addition of, and I'm going to have to look up the name here. Uh, here you go. Diego? Gigliani. Gigliani. Is it, is, see, we don't have Zach here to give us, like, I, I think G- it's Gigliani the, or something like that. I right? think
1: that's the pronunciation. I mean, if I'm reading it, that's the pronunciation.
0: Yeah. So, long story short, uh, he's brought into the team. Title is uh, President and GM. Um, tons of speculation about what everybody else is going to be doing, where they're going to be moving, what does it mean to Carolyn and Lutz and everything else. And you know what? I, I don't care about that noise. Here's what I care about. The guy is coming over from City Football Group. And for those of you that are familiar with the game, uh, familiar with big club names, it doesn't get any bigger than Man City. Um, and he's from, he's from their crew.
1: Yeah, and I mean, there's probably at least ten clubs under that umbrella. Yeah, well, uh, we, from every hemisphere of our continent, of our world. Um, yeah,
0: I've got it pulled up here. So here, I, mean, we, I read it off earlier to you, but I'm going to read it off real quick. Man City, New York City FC, Melbourne City, Yokohama Marinos, Montevideo City, Girona, Sichuan, Mumbai City, uh, Lomel, Esperance Sportiva, which looks like they're out of France, and then Club Bolivar, which was the club that sent a team to GA cup and met some of the other competition that our boys played. Yeah. Yeah. So Uh, suffice to say he's, he's coming from an organization that knows what they're doing. Uh, and it just seems to me to be yet another indicator that this ownership group is not messing around. They're, they're looking at the marketplace and they're bringing in people that not only have pedigree, but they have experience at the highest level.
1: I wouldn't even dream to understand the hiring process, or if we're like, say, Caroline and Jim and ownership group are looking for um, somebody to fill that role, and you know, just being in my little peanut world of logistics, you know, there's resumes that come across desk. Um, what does this guy's resume look like? I mean, is that, I mean, is it the same process? You think? I mean, they're like, okay, we have this job. We need a president and general manager of this whole club. Um, let's go get that guy. I mean, is, yeah. I mean, is that guy got? Is he got a LinkedIn account? And that resume is going across Carolyn's desk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he followed him on LinkedIn. I mean, gee, mini Christmas. I mean, what a home run. I mean, like, I think Seabec um, sent a tweet that um, they just added more rocket fuel to their rocket ship.
0: Oh, there's no doubt about it. You know, I mean, that's like, that's
1: an appropriate text. I, you know,
0: here's the thing too. Like, the, the addition of, a, of of an individual like this, this is sending. Not a, a team message, not a league message, not, not a Western conference, hey, you better beware. This is a global message. This is We are not messing around. We are going to go to market, and the market for this game is a global market, and we are going to find the best. And as a fan, as a St. Louis fan, as a St. Louis homer, I couldn't be prouder than moves like this.
1: Well, and another thing is that makes me, you know— it uh, gives me goosebumps a little bit, like being a fan of the organization. Um, I, you know, I'm not going to act like I can pretend to know what's really going on, but by all accounts, um, Carolyn held this title, um, and, 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 and this gentleman has been brought in so she can move on to, like, what's going to happen in the future, acquisitions, um, securing our business or, or that organization well into the future, which just seems like, I mean, a- it just seems smart. Yeah. No, it's it's great. We're, it's going to be fun to follow it. Um,
0: check it out. Go read up on it because you're going to be like, who who is this guy? And then you're going to read the resume and you're going to be like, holy shit. Cool. He's ours now. Um, something else that I want to talk about, and we're going to totally go into left field here. Uh, you, you know, we've mentioned in the past that we've had people reach out to us that we're like appreciative, thankful that we brought up the great... On Hulu, You know, and we uh, often we've talked about shows shrinking on HBO plus because or not HBO. Uh, uh, Apple plus. Apple, yep. Thanks to the MLS package. We come across shrinking new show. And I mentioned it, I believe, in the last episode or maybe the one before beef on Netflix. Have you?
1: I haven't watched just, it yet. Oh, OK.
0: Remember the movie Falling Down where. Uh, um, oh, my God. Uh, Michael goes Where he goes nuts He goes crazy And he's wearing The white button shirt Mike
1: Douglas Yes
0: Remember where he Loses his mind He's like Mm -hmm. Okay that's it I'm going postal
1: Yep On the way home From work I think
0: Beef stars The two main characters Are Ali Wong The comedian So she's had Netflix specials Other specials And then Stephen Yuan Yun or Yuan I, I, I don't pretend To be able to Pronounce his name properly Come on Zach It's an A and a B Yep, And lo- and the way it starts is he's having a bad day, trying to check out of a Home Depot, goes to back out, and she's driving through, and she lays on her horn excessively, like for 10 seconds, and he snaps, and he chases her. And then it creates this War of the Roses scenario, and that's what the show is based upon. And it's just On constant, this beef that started. Oh, beef. It's brilliant. And, and my litmus test is always like, I, because I tend to like st- – not stupid shit, deep shit, darker shit, darker funny is even better, but it passed the Kim with 2M sniff test. It did? Yes. At night, when it's time for everybody's gone, it's time for us to Netflix and not that kind of chill. She's no, like, no, Justin
1: Timberlake's not playing.
0: No, 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 JT, it's just JB, so it's not that... <laughs> She is she's actively advocating for beef episodes <laughs> which sounds really horrible but watch it. if you're listening watch it. It is funny. It is not kid appropriate. It is definitely adult appropriate and if you ever had a bad day just watch it. It'll make you feel like your day was not that bad. That's so check that one out. And that's on Netflix. That's on Netflix. And then, uh, last thing I want to mention, and this is going to be fun. And if you, if you're a fan of the show, check this out. In two days, you know we t- we tend to go on um, uh, Twitter every now and then, and we'll it, it, we, we troll some people, and especially I, I love trolling anybody that hates on St. Louis, especially if they're from our uh, favorite friends across the state. But. We've got this guy by the name of Josh Lowen or Logan, something like that. I, I don't have his last name with me. Josh is his first name. But he's a writer for Backheeled. And, and if you recall, Backheeled was the one that had the article about St. Louis City predicting that not only are they going to finish in last, but they deserve to finish in last, and it was going to be this absolute disaster of an uh, expansion rollout. Well, he said yes. So when we hit the road to go watch the boys in Dallas and then on our way to Austin— Saturday afternoon coming up, we're gonna have our friend Josh from Backheeled on to revisit his article and his predictions, and that's gonna be a lot of fun. So, you know, give us a follow so that you can catch up because you're gonna want to hear that because I love listening to people like dig their hole deeper.
1: Well, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really mean it like that. I mean, I, I, I thought there was a chance it could be good. Um, I mean, if you read it like that, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah,
0: you know, it's like you you, you kind of um, you kind of shot yourself in the foot. Let's see here, where is it? Here's, where'd that article go? I, I just want to read the the headline of the article and you guys will uh, here it is. March twenty second. St. Louis City is an elite MLS team for now. Uh, and then the bottom line was, here's what made St. Louis into such a success, period, and why it probably won't last. So this is going to be fun.
1: So the jury's still out in this guy's eyes. So we could just fall off a cliff and um, he could be like, I told you so.
0: Totally. But at the time of the interview, which but will be this we Saturday, won't bring
1: him on at that point.
0: No, no, no. We will actually <laughs> lose his number. So
1: <laughs>
0: we will officially lose his number. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break because our guest is uh, about to roll in here. We are going to refreshen our powder. And... Um, We'll be back. Thanks for listening. And please sh- share, share an episode or two of Reviews Cool. You know, when you do that, it just really helps. Gets the message out there. Helps so many soccer moms and dads cope with this chaos that is parenting an athletic child. And we'll see you in a second.
1: Hello, Jared. We're back. We are back. Guess song. Come on. I I mean, you're doing this now at this point on purpose. Or should I know all these songs? You just brought this one up early, like literally 10 minutes ago. Bon Jovi?
0: It is. Oh, my God. Okay. It is Bon Jovi. And I'm playing it on purpose because we do have our guest here. And uh, thanks to the wonderful world of Google slash bios slash Wikipedia and all that other stuff, um, part of his early days in radio here in St. Louis was an internship at the... KC 95, I believe. and he's shaking his head. yes, so it was accurate. Uh, our guest today, as you can tell, based on your dashboard screen, is the Mr. Tom Ackerman. How are you today, Tom?
2: How are you guys doing? What a great spot for a podcast. (laughs) Big windows. Big window overlooking the city, drinking a beer. Like, this is right up my alley, man. See, you know,
0: we keep telling people that, and it's like, you know, you stumble around this town, and typically most of us fall into our neighborhood kind of, uh, you know, handcuffs. And there's places like Wellspent that it's like, damn. I got I, I, I to do that more It's often. really
2: good. Well, I told you, it's right up the street from Camo X. Why do I not come in here? That'll change. That'll change real quick. I like this beer, by the way. I'm having a Keter Pills. Keller. Keller. Sorry, Keller Pills.
0: Keller Pills. That's that's my go-to. You know, our, uh, our listeners know I prefer just cold and yellow, no fruit, no uh, aftertaste.
1: Really well, we've said it time and time again, and you can't make it up, and we wouldn't be faking it at this point. The beer is flat-out drinkable. I mean, there's a lot of these places that pop up and are in business, and they just brew
2: shitty beer. Yeah.
1: And this beer, it's good.
2: Yeah, it's really good. Really good. So. But, yes, I did work at She as an intern, 94 and 95. Well. And I had a great time. Well, I think,
0: according to this detail on you online, (laughs) you're... Key your your chief responsibility, quote, your chief responsibilities involved blowing up an inflatable sweetmeat pig. That is true. It was
2: thirty feet tall, <laughs> at least. Yes. Um and the, it was it held a guitar and it was on on a knee. Um I believe the old sweetmeat had a cigarette or a joint yeah. hanging out of its mouth. I don't know which. the cool one. Uh the cool one. Yeah. Um no this one would but it had sunglasses it was an inflatable you had to you had to lay it face down and then you would you would make sure that you know it was all sealed up and then you'd fill the thing up and you and it had ropes and you know stakes and you had to like guide it if it was uh so i would set it up at remote broadcast i was a freshman in college between freshman and sophomore year was my first year at casey and they would trust me little Tommy Ackerman at 18, 19 years old to drive the Chevy wait, Blazer. What
0: year was that? Oh, Chevy Blazer. I was yes. driving
2: a Blazer. It was uh, the Casey <laughs> I was Blazer. Did you did you have like a uh, 92 Accord yeah. or something? Well, I was yeah, I was driving my mom's old uh, Cherokee, but I was driving the the uh, the Casey Blazer and we would have this thing folded up in the back of the car and then I would take it out and inflated at remote broadcast so if it was a windy day boy you make sure you got to have that thing set and there so, was one day that i was having uh so much fun with it driving the the k car around that i actually took it home and i inflated it in our driveway dude that's so awesome that's
1: what, how out of breath were you it was it was,
2: it was fun
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, you actually brought all your friends over so okay we're gonna take turns
1: <laughs> yeah 30
0: puffs a piece yeah. And that might take uh, a little bit. Uh, that's
2: the other thing is that you did have to have, you know, an outlet nearby for the blower. <laughs> and uh, so lots of extension cords in the back of that blazer as well. Oh, those were good times. <clears throat> they would have me go to the airport. This is when you could just go through security, go right to the gate. I would go pick up bands at the airport and, you know, drive them back. And, Who was the coolest band that you picked up? Oh, man. There was, uh, smithereens were cool. Remember, ah, remember hell yeah, yeah. Smith were, they were cool. They were like, hey man, like you know, like I was. They treated me like I was a veteran roadie. I mean, you know, I was just a kid out of college, but you know, we. I just remember driving driving them to their hotel and listening to them talk about a song that they had just released and, and an album that was just coming out. And the way they talked about music was something I had never heard before. Just the way they were describing it. So, what years was this roughly? This was '94, summer of '94. And they were playing a concert at, in the parking lot of Union Station. They used to set up a stage and throw yeah. these concerts. Yeah, I remember that. I remember those. Yeah. And then
1: everybody go to, what was the little club right down the street from Union Station? Right afterwards, they just all dump into that club.
0: Uh, what was the one on Market? Um, well, it was where the stadium is now. Uh,
2: what was the name of that club?
1: Harry's? Harry's. Harry's.
2: That was at Jefferson in, yeah. and Market, basically. Yep. Yeah, I'd go to Harry's. Um, I, had, I had lunch at the Pitch today, and the Pitch has been... Like a million different, yeah. bars, yeah. 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 What did you yeah. think of the pitch? I love the pitch. Isn't it cool? It is so cool. It's, it's comfortable. Yeah,
0: I mean, you're 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 a native St. Louisan, so my question to you in regards to that experience is, did it did it hit you a little bit different? You know, yes. when you walk around and you see those photos, you know the names, but you see it kind of manifesting itself as you look out the window at the stadium. What was your experience? Kind of the going pitch through
2: that? was, and I popped in there real quick before City Games, and we do a post game broadcast, so I know that, that we have people that run in and out of there. But I had never really sat down and had lunch, and just I met some people that I, you know that I work with, and, and met them today to talk. Uh, it was Curtis Francois and Chris Blair from Worldwide Technology Raceway. Oh, sure. I work with them. Nice, and we were talking NASCAR. And so we decided to have lunch there. And I was just looking around like, this place is so nice. I mean, it's upscale. They have incredible TVs. The food was good. And uh, I I was really impressed, like you said, with all the pictures and everything that's up there. It has a great soccer feel to it. But then again, you know, I would watch football there. I'd watch baseball there. I'd watch the NCAA tournament there. I should have. It's really great. I had a good time. They did
0: did it really well, and I love what it is because I had a friend of mine who grew up in Collinsville uh, who was a huge soccer person himself, lives in Chicago now. And they came down, and we went over there to visit, and he walked through, and I mean, I was sitting at the bar. He got up, he's like, I'll be back. And like 20 minutes later, I see that he's kind of slowly making his way around the room, and he's reading all the pictures, and he comes back, and he goes, this is what people aren't going to understand about your team is this is not an expansion team. This is just a first-year pro with 100 years of foundation team, and that's kind of the yeah. pitch—is that experience? Yeah. And he he laid that out. I'm like, man, that's a great way of putting it.
2: So, yeah, I'm, it's like it's just another chapter of the soccer history in this city. And I hear it from other broadcasters now who are coming in to work these games or other media are coming in. The word has gotten out that St. Louis has it together. It's a great atmosphere. That the stadium is a cathedral to soccer. The fans are on top of it most of them understand the game and the others are catching on pretty quickly the enthusiasm i think the one that really sent it over the top for a lot of people here especially within the organization was the rain delayed game oh yeah and i was at that one and i was in the seats and i was even i was blown away and i know us i was born and raised here i know how the fans here are here because i have been one of them but this was that was that was i mean it was a very drunk crowd, but it was a very enthusiastic, loyal, awesome display of fanship. It I didn't
1: mean, hurt that they scored in four minutes. Yeah, and then <laughs> they were. No, yeah. <laughs> but I, um, so I, our group all went, and we, I was in the crowd that got not let into the stadium, so we made our way made to, to get out of the element. And we went to Lombardo's. So, you know, we had four or five drinks at Lombardo's and we came back in. So I might have been in that crowd that was a little tipsy.
2: Yeah, I had Dale Shilley on the next, uh, the following <laughs> Wednesday, and he said, I don't know where they all went to go shelter. I said, I know where they went. They went to go get hammered. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cybergs uh, met their nut for the month. Yeah. You know, so in the two hour rain delay. I had, I was outside. Cyberg's at about 6 30 when the sirens went and i so i i knew you can't get in the stadium at that point they they shut everybody out they ask everyone inside to shelter in place i have a friend who has cerebral palsy i got him tickets i bought him tickets he and his dad and their neighbor and great friend and I called them, and I said, are you guys close? Because I was going to say, don't come down. This game is going to start till 9, 930 probably. Right. And they said, we're at Forest Park. We're almost down there. I'm not going to have them turn around and go into the storm. So mm-hmm. I said, all right, you guys drive by. Here's where I am. I'll jump in the car, and I'm going to take you into a parking garage. We're just going to shelter in there. So we did. We stayed for an hour. Then the rain let up, if you remember. Yep. And oh, people yeah. started to line up. So I'm like, well. Let's go get in line. Now, that was a dumb decision because <laughs> yeah. they're not going to let anybody in until all lightning is gone for a half hour mm-hmm. right? and everybody is safe. We were undercover, so we didn't get wet. And then we did get in, and we had a blast. Like you said, they scored three minutes into the match. They score again and again. They put on a show, and Cincinnati's good. And Cincinnati didn't play poorly, actually. No. They just – no, or we, they just got the job done. Yeah, we were we were running
0: at about five thousand RPMs from the very first second, and and they they couldn't they couldn't counterpunch, and I was really impressed with the perseverance of the fan base as well because it did seem like organized chaos within the the crowd because they they only lost roughly four thousand five thousand people yeah. that didn't fill the sold seats, <clears throat> and. You know, it it felt as if there was no delay at that point. It was almost like it was a like a time warp that occurred and all right game time and then they just kicked
1: the shit. My out 14-year-old of boy was with other 14-year-old boys that um, play on his team. They were in the Drury lobby just, you know, having sodas and and, and and shooting the shit and he told me the next day he's like, "Dad, I wouldn't mind if there was a rain delay every game."
2: It was <laughs> kind of fun. <laughs> that is pretty fun. You know, and and how amazing is that field? I mean, that. you know, we, we have the privilege with, with
0: our boys being in the academy and we get to travel around. And me personally, I've been to probably seven or eight MLS stadiums. And <clears throat> I don't think people really realize how good it is. The You know, the seating, the, 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 the architecture, the vibe, the field alone. Like, it's, I mean, it rained for a straight three plus hours, right? Really heavy there for a while. They started that game. I didn't see anybody sliding in water. And the I didn't field didn't rip up at all.
2: Not at all. No. I only saw a puddle, like, in the behind the supporters section in that little concourse. That was beer. <laughs> <laughs> that was tears of joy. That's it. I saw nothing. It, it was really great. I mean, they do a really nice job. And, yes, the stadium, if you haven't been. It, the TV just doesn't do it justice. It it is really awesome. And then you can, you know, you can get something to eat. I've not heard of, maybe you've experienced something differently, but I have not heard of lines really to go to the bathroom or get food or drink. And you can actually walk right up to one of those counter spaces and just eat and watch before you go back to your seat if you want. You can see the match from anywhere. Yeah. I mean, they really, I never go to my seats.
0: I don't either. We we're, we're we're consummate uh, Pacers.
1: Yeah,
2: you
0: know, we we are those quote soccer dads That's that stand on the corner. Yeah, and it's just watching people experience it. One of one of the fun things for me was this past Tuesday, the first Open Cup game, because it was you know the ticket pricing went significantly down uh, for the game, understandably, and what I noticed was and we we talked about it briefly, Jared. There were a lot of Cardinal jerseys at Tuesday night's game. You never see them. I don't see them on Saturday night MLS games. It looked, it appeared to me like those types of games are an opportunity to really engage new fans. And on Tuesday night, they crushed it too. I mean, we we hit what, 22-4 or whatever the number was. Yeah, yeah. And it seemed like there were a lot of people, you know, there weren't as many people standing. And the lines were a little bit shorter because I think a lot of people were just taking it in because they had no idea what they were getting into.
2: Yeah, and and we were trying to spread the word on KMOX and say, you know, if you haven't been in, this is a really good chance. I mean, tickets are not really that expensive. You can get in. You can still see City. You're not going to see Berkey. You're not going to see a couple guys. But you'll see some of the players. You'll see. But most importantly, still the star of the show is the stadium. Yeah. And, by far. And it's, it really is special. And I heard a lot of people enjoyed that. And yes, they packed 22 4 in there, which is the largest crowd to see a U.S. Open Cup third round match ever. Yeah. And what I love is,
0: you know, because we have this running uh, imperative uh, responsibility to completely trash Sporting KC on a weekly basis, on an episode basis, That's right? That's um, Who did we have displace? They <laughs> no. they, I think they're up to, what do we say,
1: three goals? Trace. Trace. They have three goals.
0: Yeah. And on the last episode, we, we had an, an, another uh, sports personality, Mr. Ben Hockman, was on the other night. And we were talking about it, and I, and I said, I don't, I'm not having fun burying them right now because they are so bad.
2: Do they have more cease and desist letters than goals? Yes. <laughs> yes. That's they, awesome. They do.
0: Yes. Which touche.
2: Is, touche.
0: <laughs> so let me ask you a soccer question then, as it pertains to the team and kind of you know in your world, because you've you've had the privilege of being around the highest caliber of professional sports, uh, our own teams here in St. Louis and their experiences within their prospective leagues, you, you know. We are, we're awarded the team. You know who the ownership group is. We know what they can do. We, we know how successful they are. We, we see the stadium being built. And all these things, it's kind of like in a weird slow motion. And then here we have this team. <clears throat> Excuse me. And nine games in, we're 6-2-1. and one. We are clearly the story in MLS this season. What's your initial, like, gut reaction to the team as it
2: pertains to competing and entry into the league. I'm surprised at the record. I am, I'm surprised that they have won six and a draw and have only lost two. I mean, that is, I mean, they have 19 points. I mean, that they continue to push and they have this swagger about them i do not i'm not surprised because we were told from the very beginning that they were going to play an attacking style we were told from the beginning that they would be young they would be hungry and when they added berkey and parker then you knew that they had the experience they'd have a little bark to their bite you know and then all this stuff mm-hmm. they, they're they're tough minded so that doesn't surprise me that they play that style and that they are entertaining but I did not think that they would be that far ahead of that many teams in Major League Soccer. And that is really intriguing. Now, to keep it going, will take perseverance and patience and money. And I think they have those things. I, I think they're, you know, they have the backing. I asked Taylor Twelman, you know, why hasn't this happened until now? And he said, because nobody believed in the city until this group and they really truly believe that having a team in downtown St. Louis is important, and they are doing this for the city. They are sparing no expense. They have started out building a foundation have been rewarded for that. And then as time goes by, I think they'll add a piece here, add a piece there, and they'll continue to be successful. I, I think that they are in this for the long haul to be great. And they knew that too. Because in St. Louis, you you have to be. I think I, yeah. not that we're not fair weather or anything like that, but we're good fans, and you have to reward those loyal fans. The Blues do it, the Cardinals do it, and now City is doing it. So, so then let me ask you specifically about the ownership group, uh,
0: because in, in your in your workplace, obviously you are, you know, in the circles with the DeWitts and at uh, all. Um, and you see how they operate. You see how um, engaged they can be, or how hands off they might be. You know, in in this brief uh, introduction to the Taylor family and this team, can you give us a little compare and contrast from your, uh, you know, Eagles Nest as to what you're seeing that the, they are
2: doing? With something this that jumps out to me is the contrasting. Uh Part of it is, first of all, it's mostly an all-female ownership group. We, we know that. But but also, for the most part, you know, the, the owners of the Blues and the Cardinals are fans and lifelong fans of that sport. Tom Stillman is a hockey guy. He is a hockey fan. He plays hockey. Mm-hmm. He skates. You'll find him skating at a rink tonight, maybe, even. You know, he, mm-hmm. he, he loves to play. Uh, Bill DeWitt grew up. He was a bat boy for the Browns. I mean, you wow. know, his dad owned... You know, was was part of the the Browns leadership, and and um, he had baseball in his life forever. He is a baseball fan now. I mean, he's still the chairman of the team, Bill Dewitt Jr., who could just go off and count money and and just be on a permanent vacation, is involved in. A lot of the Cardinals' decisions, he's a baseball guy. He understands the game and likes a certain way of doing things and does have input. Tom Stillman, same way. Hockey guy understands it. What I find fascinating is they admittedly were learning the sport on the fly what they were passionate about was St. Louis, and then they went to work and surrounded themselves with people who know the sport and people that they could trust, enter Lutz and Steele, enter Bradley Carnell. Or Kavanaugh, um, lifelong yeah. soccer guy. Now Diego Gigliani. I mean, they, they're, they're surrounding themselves with people who understand the game, and that is admirable. Um, they're not going to be as hands-on on certain things, but on others they will, and and one of the things they really truly care about are people and they care about the fan base they care about the surrounding community they want to make downtown west vibrant again it is starting to, to we're starting to see that yep that's where they thrive and, the, and they know their strengths and that that is exactly what we're seeing i i'm you know they have delivered on this stadium that's the thing that we can see but there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that they continue to tweak they continue to improve, and they're hiring people that can help them on that path. And I, I, I think that's gr- good business. And that's why probably enterprise, you know, Jack Taylor taught Andy Taylor, who taught Chrissy Taylor, yeah. Who, and they continue. This is why it's been a successful business for a long time. Well said.
0: Yeah. So so then <clears throat> uh, Jeremy Tripp, who is the director of digital experience for Citi, um, him and his team are pretty much exclusively responsible for the app. They work with Seebeck in trying to design and, and activate that fan experience uh, from a digital standpoint and apply it to the, the in-person. And he talked early on about some of the strategic sessions that they would have, or strategy sessions, excuse me, and there would be uh, DeWitt, there would be a Stillman in the room you know do you see that as do you see that St. Louis because most other cities professional sports teams to a large degree are competing against one another for that market share for that ticket price Uh, and here you have three distinctly independent ownership groups do you envision that that camaraderie that um, uh, that assistance
2: do you see that as a long-term reality uh with what you've experienced so far i do because i think they're all in the same neighborhood i think all of them being downtown is really important and i think that they understand that that they can play a role in fact i'd take it a step further i would like to see a day where this is a whole other topic of conversation where there's a summit of that ownership group to say how can we make downtown and the city safer how do we help bring more people down here to live how do we do this? How do we do this? Like they are leaders and they are, they have a responsibility, I think, as business leaders to help get things moving. Sometimes politicians, breaking news, politicians sometimes, you know, spin their wheels, uh, and, and kind of get in their own way. And so that's, I think business leaders, it's important, but yes, they are learning from each other. The Cardinals. And the blues do not have perfect records on the field or the ice. They also don't have perfect records when it comes to business decisions. Some things have not gone well. Some things have They've learned from their mistakes and then they do it a different way. And that's city I'm sure is asking those questions. What, how did you do this? What did you learn when this failure happened? Those kinds of things do pop up and have already happened to city in some ways. And you know, how do you handle a tornado warning how do you handle this and that you know the so a fan dispute sit down stand up I mean, it's, oh it's gonna hey, happen yep, you know right. so how do you deal with that a lot of the same uh ushers and security work the same venues yeah. also you know off-duty police officers and etc uh, so it it is absolutely a common uh feel are they competing for dollars yeah they you know they're competing for sponsorships yeah. in some way but they want all of them to be successful uh, they want each other to be successful and there will come a day where all three are playing at the same time and we're going to hopefully shut down Clark Street and we can all walk up and down and maybe yeah. pop into all of them at the same we time we had a battlehawks <laughs> game yeah we had a we had a battlehawks
1: weekend a cardinals weekend what did we have in that weekend we had almost 80,000 people in the st- in, 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 down here in the, here, city. Well, in the c- city
0: well just tuesday night uh, yeah. You had Lizzo, yeah. <laughs> you know, two blocks away from, you know, sold out U.S. You know, U.S. Cup games. Yeah, so. things are
2: starting to happen. when we The winter, it was pretty quiet. Now things change, and sports really are the driver in this city for a lot of things, as are arts and museums and concerts. Uh, but make no mistake about it, sports carry a lot of the freight here and bring in a lot of people uh, in from out of town. That's the big key is tourism and dollars. And by the way, tourism in our own city—we're very spread out. We have—I was just out in Wentzville on business a couple days ago. Wentzville's big. I mean, that's where I live. That's that's his God's country. There are a lot of people out there. There's there's a lot going on, and you know, that's from where we're sitting is 45 minutes on a good day. Mm-hmm. It's a, it, so you want to entice people in Wentzville and the surrounding area to come down here and have a good time. Well, 45 minutes from there to here on a good day is no different than
0: Addison and 90 in Chicago to get to the loop. <laughs> you know, and actually that's <laughs> that probably is so a true. little bit quicker.
2: Yeah. It, pro- <laughs> it probably is quicker. Oh man. No y- kidding. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I'm le- always thankful, you know, living here and I, you get to go to Chicago and I, I love New York city and you know, out in California, the traffic that you deal with, and I, I I do love being out there. My sister lives in San Diego, beautiful place. But I love coming back to St. Louis and knowing that I can, if I want. You know, and I live fifteen minutes from Bush Stadium. Right. If I want to go to a ball game, like, eh, yeah, we'll grab a ticket and we'll go to the ball game. We'll find a hopefully find a place to park and let's just go. Yeah,
0: yeah. you know, it's funny because I lived in Chicago for about seven eight years, and that was the primary reason hands down why we left was the lost time in logistics. I I you hit a wall and you're just like, oh my God. I don't know how people do it. And now you look at other you know, even Midwestern cities. Have you been to Nashville lately? Not in a while, but I know their infrastructure can't oh. handle all those things. Oh people. my God. It's 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 a nightmare. It's like the four oh five wow.
2: just trying to get from east to west Nashville. Yeah. Um, I have a friend who lives in Nashville and he said, you know, we're still working on that. And he sees from St. Louis and you know, they're still building more family. Like, look at all the family attractions that we have that we can get yeah. to in 15 minutes. Yeah,
1: you're right about for that.
2: For there, it takes a while. But, you know, for in L.A., for instance, Cardinals are, are heading to L.A. As we're uh, recording this, they're going to go this weekend. In LA, a Dodger game—that's what you do that day. Period. I mean, that they'll take you all day to yeah. get there, right? The game and to get out of there. Yeah, you're better suited. And just you running get there a in, a in the third line. inning. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's horrible. You have to I- decide in a big metropolis like that. What are we doing today? New York may be a little easier. I like. I there are ways to get zipped through New York, yep, uh, without having a car. Let me, let me let me shift gears a little bit because what I want to talk about or
0: ask you about is kind of the fandom. Um, Are you, have you been, uh, this is a two-part question. Number one, from a social media perspective, are you familiar with or do you engage with or do you read the the city fan page groups on Facebook
2: or Twitter? Um, On Twitter, I do. Uh, On Twitter, I follow a lot of fans, and I started doing that years ago. And I, I started unfollowing celebrities and following fans <laughs> because I figured a big you know celebrity with millions of followers, if he or she says something interesting, I'll see it.'ll it'll get yep. retweeted. Well, and the something. other
0: thing is the 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 old school blue checks. They weren't posting their own stuff. That's an no. agency putting their yeah. stuff out. So
2: there. I started following the more interesting people, people who listen to our radio show or the people who go to the games. I want to know what they're doing. I, I want to know what they're. Yeah. What restaurants do they go to? What, what complaints do they have? And then when it comes to, let's say, a massive fan base like the Cardinals, they always have something to say. And if they fly off the handle, that's all right, whatever. I mean, sports, they're passionate about it. I can usually filter out the stuff that's unreasonable and really get into it. But yeah, with City, definitely. I've followed some fans. I should be doing uh, a little bit more of that now that I start to recognize who's who and who's saying things that, that are... Really constructive, and I, I love that. Well, really, they do. Uh, the one, the, I mean, the one
0: Twitter account that just hammers it every time. It's called the at Soccer Dad Pod. I mean, their insight <laughs> is off it's a the great, It's a great name. <laughs> yeah, well, a Soccer point. Dad Pod
2: was taken, and I'm like, shit,
0: we got to do this microphone <laughs> thing.
2: So, but yeah, I do. I, I do uh, pay attention on Facebook. I'm not as active. I do have an account on Facebook, but Facebook to me is more, yeah, you know, hearing about. What your friends have been doing and knowing whose birthday it is and I I do I do use it but not really for news or sports necessarily Uh, Instagram I'm on again not very active but I do like to see sometimes what's going on Twitter I'm very active Twitter I'm on there several times a day checking and some days I'm posting several times a day and I've been doing it since I don't know 2009 probably it's been it's been fun so my, so my, the second part of my
0: question is um, knowing how us St. Louisans are when it comes to being smarter than ownership, you know, in all of our sports, um, the, fan ex, the fan experience on social media in particular, I find it so funny because in my opinion, and, and this is what I want to get your take on. Cardinal fans have had 100-plus years of knowing baseball, knowing the players, knowing protocol.
1: Knowing uh, the red jacket. Knowing when to stand
0: up for a sacrifice flyer and all this other shit, right? Uh, But here we are in the new world order of MLS in in our backyard, and the vast majority of people in this town have played the game, whether it be CYC or have a family member that has. But I I personally find it hilarious, the, the debates on uh sit or stand and all these things that are basically like how are we going to manage ourselves in the stadium do you find like the learning curve for these fans to be funny do you think it's going to catch up or do you think the fact that the team is winning that it's just like smoke and mirrors right now yeah and it'll be a bigger story
2: later i did allude to it earlier that i think most people in the stadium i've found are understanding of the game or at least they're so vocal that it gives you the impression that a lot of people are paying attention and know the rules. And then others, understandably, haven't been as exposed to it. Maybe they played as a kid. I mean, I played county soccer as a kid, but it's not like I spent every day watching soccer. Um, But I have through the years, and now it's on, you know, it's it's exponential. I mean, I'm really into it. Uh But watching fans start to learn what's going on will be fascinating and it actually will make that atmosphere even better whether to sit or stand that's been something that's been going on forever (laughs) you know i prefer when i go to a blues game i like to be in the 300 level as opposed to down low now if i'm bringing my kids or something i'd like them to have a close seat 300 can get a little i'm saying for me as a credentialed media member i like to wander like you guys do and I prefer to be up in the 300 level because I find that those fans are very engaged, very knowledgeable. There's a lot of hockey chatter going on. There's a lot of beer drinking going on. Like it's all that all the stuff that's in the hockey culture. I appreciate it and, and I like uh, Cardinals fans. Yeah, they they understand what's going on too. But they all do. They all have their their pockets of very knowledgeable diehard fans. It just takes time. But I don't think it'll take very long. You don't have to teach St. Louis a whole lot about soccer. It's in our culture. It, it's part of how what this city was yeah. built on.
0: Yeah, it's it's been fun because it's like um, you alluded to. You know, the individuals that are there that you can see them kind of learning. You know, in the moment, right? Um, your so you. How many games have you been to? By the way, I've been to three. So my question to you then is just simply, as a fan, you know, what's your favorite part? What's your favorite part of a soccer game, of the stadium, or both? What stands out to you for someone that has not been yet? What can they look forward to? I really
2: like, uh, you know, when I like to be, you know, this happens with all sports for me, but I like the anticipation before it begins. I like knowing who's playing. I like watching them warm up. I really—I mean, I love the games and all, but it's always the buildup for yep. me. The buildup is the best. The talk, everybody's kind of getting in place. You know who you're up against. I'm eyeballing the opponent and watching them, trying to pick out who's who. And then you just let the game play out. But for me, it's always been the beginning. The 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 unknown is about to happen. I don't know what's going on yet. But I know that in two hours, I'm going to have a story to tell. That is the best for me. And then for broadcasting, which I don't broadcast soccer, although I have. I did one match and it was fun. I'll tell you about it. <laughs> but, you know, I do a lot of basketball. And I'm always – I always love the fact that when that ball goes up in the air, now it's just a play that writes itself. We have no clue. Showtime. There's no script. And we'll find out in a couple hours. What the result is i love the beginning of games i love the quiet also of the way beginning when fans are just starting to come in that's my favorite part of the atmosphere always has been anthem the build up and now the supporter section the flags waving and and all of that excitement and then off you go so speaking of anthems
0: real quick and then we're going to take a quick break and get some refills here um obviously wainwright hammered the national anthem on our opening day which city player would you want to sing the national anthem and why is it yao klaus klaus,
2: <laughs> yeah, klaus. Uh, another guy who's uh i had some fun talking to is uh indy uh, indiana vasilev I, I think he'd be, he'd be <laughs> he's a character he's a character all right cool here's what we're gonna do we're gonna take a quick break down here well
0: spent brewing we're gonna refill our bevies uh gonna roll you out with the, the king and we'll be right back with Mr. Tom Ackerman. Thanks, Tom. Thank you.
1: Hey, I know this one. You know this one? I think
0: so. Yeah. I, so this was turned on to me yesterday by what do you mean, my son. It was
1: turned on to you yesterday, my <laughs> no, <your> son. Okay.
0: <laughs> We're back for the second half with. Mr. Tom Ackerman from KMOX Sports, uh, dropping us in here with a little bit of Mr. Nelly. Remember this? Do you remember when this one came out?
1: Uh, it was around the what the late '90s, right?
0: It absolutely was, yep. and, it, and then the, I do. Yeah, and the correlation relates to Mr. Ackerman's uh, 90s years here in St. Louis coverage. Because the second half of the show here, we're going to get into a little bit of his uh, fun years and other sports and everything.
2: That uh, song came out in 2000. And correlated with? Really the Cardinals, to be honest, was where they were the ones who pumped it in their clubhouse first. So they were in the 2000 season. That was a good year for them. They yeah. finally, after... Mm-hmm. Ninety-eight, McGuire, 70 home runs, 99. He had 65, but the team was not very good. 2000 was when they made all the moves. They got Matheny, they got Edmonds, they got Kyle. You know, they, they started to load up that roster and they got, uh, just took off. Good Clark, yeah. late in the year, good team. And yeah. then on the uh, the oblong,
0: wrong-sized uh, ball of things, uh, the football side, we were pretty good those years oh, too.
2: Oh, man, so much fun. And really bad to start out, too. And, and, you know, I covered the Tony Banks years and all this stuff. Dick Vermeil <laughs> had this team 97, Tony 98. Tony Banks, wow. And you're like, what is going on here? And then in 98, I remember towards the end of the year, this, this Kurt Warner was the third-string quarterback and nice guy, but everybody was talking to other people. And then the whole thing happens in 99. Preseason, Trent Green's the starting quarterback. He gets hurt. Rodney Harrison runs into his knee. He's out for the year. I was there for the little makeshift press conference that they held on a Saturday morning at Rams Park, and Dick Vermeil pounded on the table right in front of us and said, we will rally around Kurt Warner, and we will play good football. And now, he cries. And he cried. And he? now there's a movie about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, it's I those years I was living up in Chicago, and I remember watching it from afar, because it, it, it hits differently when you're not here, because I had so many family members and friends that were here kind of living through it. You know, and they're hitting me up often. They're like, "Holy shit! Did you see Sunday's game? Book? Did you
1: see Marshall fault go off week after week?" <laughs> yeah, after you know, week? you
0: know, and at, at that time, that's the kind of the Urlocker days up in Chicago. And you know, we're going to the local pub, and yeah, and you know, it, it, impossible to get a game on that is not the Bears. You know, it, it, you know, anywhere, no matter how good or bad they were, totally. You know, watching it, and then I'm so watching it from afar, and I'm like, "Holy shit, this is like magic! This is like seven Barry Sanders on the field all at once." <laughs> um, so, you know, we, we're rolling in with uh, talking about those years because that's post your cool days, at Yeah, ninety five.
1: so <laughs> you know now that we're past that, so I want to get into the IU Bloomington gonna go Indiana back a bit. days. We're going back, uh, Coach Knight. You are a play-by-play guy for men's basketball at a certain era, ninety what ninety-one to ninety-six ish area. Um, you, you know your baseball, your football. Can you talk about those days in the dynamic and your relationship with Coach Knight and how you end up there? Because that is this interesting as hell to me.
2: When I was sixteen years old, I was with my dad in Vail, Colorado, and we. We're going to see one of his friends, Larry Ziegler, who played on the PGA Tour and, and was moving into the – he was in the Senior Tour at that time. Mm-hmm. And he was playing in the Gerald Ford Invitational in Vail. And we were on vacation in Colorado, and he said, I'm going to leave you guys passes. Make sure you come down and see me because I'm going to play with Bob Knight tomorrow on my team. And he's a great friend. And we were like, wow. So we go down and we go down to the practice screen and – there is Larry with Coach Knight. He's like, hey, what's up, guys? And they walk over, and he brings Coach with him to say hi, shook hands, and I'm just blown away. I'm 16 years old, big college basketball fan. It's Bob Knight. Nice to meet you. And we're all kind of standing around, and Larry goes, hey, Tommy, you're caddy back in St. Louis. You want a caddy for Coach Knight?
1: <laughs>
2: and I just looked at him. He goes, let's go. And I said, all right. So that meant, you know, they were using golf carts, but I would be, I would help him out and So I drove the golf cart to the first tee with him, and it's silent. And I said, so, coach, you ready for basketball season? How how are we going to look this year, coach? And it's July, you know. And he goes, Tom, I'm never ready for basketball season. I'm thinking about golf right now. I thought, well, boy, this is is not going well. But we kind of, you know, we connected out on the golf course, and, and he Asked me where I was going to college. Are you looking at college yet? 16, were you going to be a junior? Yeah. Were you looking at college? And I said, yeah, Mizzou. And I I named off a few others and not Indiana. And he said, what about Indiana? I said, well, I I know it's a good It is a good school. Um, Would you like me to set up a tour for you? Would that be, yeah, coach, that'd be great. I thought he'd totally forget. And I got a call from Indiana University two weeks later coach Knight said, you're interested in IU. Would you like to take a look around? It was uh, their athletic department. As it turns out, he was not only helping me out, but he was interested in me being a manager for the team, a student manager. And I wanted to be a broadcaster. And oh. I thought about it and thought about it. If, you, if you're a manager for IU basketball, you're in. I mean, it is a year round. That is a, you're not that's unlike the college experience you were with the basketball team and I really wanted to be a broadcaster so I did do that and you know he thought that was um, interesting He, he wasn't the biggest fan of the media but he did take great care of me so the the other side of that story is my dad before I went to college died suddenly of a heart attack and he ran into me freshman year at iu and i reintroduced myself he said i remember larry Ziegler, colorado how you doing and i told him about my dad and he had not heard that and he put his arm around me and said i'm so sorry if there's anything i can ever do for you let me know and he gave me his contact info i mean i never used it but like i was a freshman 18 years old just lost my dad, completely lost, and I have Bob Knight's phone number. Did, I mean, <laughs> did, did you immediately turn around to all the girls watching and be like, that's, that's me? That's right. yeah, <laughs> That's right. You know who you're talking to. But yeah, it was what an experience. So I did cover IU basketball. I did call play-by-play at IU. I did take Bob Knight's class, uh, which was called coaching basketball. <laughs> and... I had the full experience and I really, you know, in four years at IU, I got to cover Bob Knight, Indiana University basketball, which is about as big as it gets in college athletics. And it really did set the stage for me and my career because I got to cover something. You know, every game was an event. A lot of games were on ESPN. Press conferences were big. You had to really know your stuff to ask a question. And those things really taught me. And who did I cover first right out of college? Tony Larusa, who is one of Bob Knight's good friends, as it turns out. And you know, once he found out that I had been at IU and I knew Coach Knight, that helped. Wow, immensely. And- well, as
1: a young guy and in that field, and you're talking to Bob Knight, you're talking to Larusa. Um, it's got to be intimidating. I mean, it just frankly has to be flat out intimidating. I mean, because those guys are polarizing
2: figures, and they don't take no shit. That's true. Although they, he, Coach Knight liked the students, and especially the students who were trying to cover the team, it took great care of us. He knew we weren't getting paid. You know, we're we're we are you, just you, you are moldable. We're learning. <laughs> yeah, we're learning. He he wasn't so fond of media that wasn't prepared to ask or pay attention, he would come out in a press conference and he would give you a dissertation of what happened in the game and then he would start with the questions. And if you asked him a question of something he just covered in those first two minutes, well, he would move on to the next thing and it would be over for you. So you have to be on top of it and understand what you're doing. He did look out for the students, I thought, that were covering the team. He took great care of his players. He was very loyal and they were loyal to him when it came to academics. All of his players graduated. He donated and helped donate millions of dollars to the library. He would make visits to people who were in the hospital unannounced and not with any fanfare. He did uh, really love being the coach at Indiana University which is why I think he was heartbroken when everything went down uh, against him. Not that he was, you know, completely innocent of all the things that you hear. He was very tough and made some, I think, poor decisions in terms of shooting his mouth off and, you know, actions and things like that. The video it's, that it, came to
1: light didn't help.
2: No, it cl- it was a cloud over what he really was, which was one of the greatest basketball coaches of all time and somebody who molded these boys that came out of how high school into men and professionals and success in wherever they went. We could go on for hours about the people that he molded that you
1: just mentioned that are in the game now with Coach Cadis leaving, Steve Alford. Um, I mean, you, you're big big in the Missouri Valley. Steve Steve landed in the Missouri Valley for a long time. Um, yeah, you, Jim Cruz. Yeah, you Jim know. Cruz. You also you also um, do the play-by-play for multiple uh, rivalry games in, in um in our country do you do georgetown syracuse kansas done that.
2: k-state done some big games uh through the years it's been fun and yeah I, you know what an education to be around basketball and watch bob knight do it and you knew as a fan that that team was going to give everything they had that was part of the fun was that there was a uh, there was an intimidation about coach Knight but the team itself had this aura around it there's a lot of tradition in the arena when the team came out of the tunnel and Knight did not he would come out right before the clock expired and the band would switch songs to a, a certain song that he would come out to, and he'd come out. Darth, Va-
0: Darth Vader's March,
2: awesome stuff. He would come out, <laughs> and the whole tone changed. You knew Coach Knight's in the house, and he's gonna, he's gonna, this team will be ready to go. So, so, so let's shift from uh, the Bobby Knights of the
0: world and kind of the coaches, coaches and leadership that you've experienced in the early days of your career. Well, after you left, that you come back to St. Louis and you land here, uh, in from a baseball perspective, it was the heyday of the players. It was Sosa, it was McGuire, it was uh Barry Bonds, all that's going on. Talk about covering that, being part of you know one of the
2: most exciting home run races
0: periods of, of baseball history, really.
2: Yeah, and, and I was able to get an education further from Jack Buck, so I got to experience all of that and jack buck was our sports director of our radio station yeah and also the voice of the cardinals and you so, know hear all these big big names jack buck mike shannon ron Jacober, randy Caricker was our lead sports open line host dan mclaughlin was our weekend sports open line host i mean dan mclaughlin <laughs> who did cardinals games for 23 years was the host of sports open line on saturday and sunday and you know it was It was incredible to just walk into that, and you knew your place, and I was going to have to earn it, and I made $7 an hour my first year. I was a behind-the-scenes person, and I just tried to get into anything I possibly could. I I tried to work and get credentialed for as many games. I wanted to be around people who did it and learn from them and try to figure out what was the best way to get myself known but also to learn from the best and show them respect. So as a uh, it sounds as if you wanted to be a broadcaster
0: for a long time, having known that prior to going into IU and and then you obviously make that happen during your college years. Talk about the the, the, the first time that you met Jack Buck.
2: Yeah, Jack Buck so I had done college radio for four years. I interviewed a X and got that seven dollar an hour behind the scenes job and I just wanted to be around the best and I one of my first days there was in the office and Jack Buck was in there and he was just you know I would seen him in public before I'd actually met him as a kid at one point but now we're working together and I introduced myself and he stands up and he Extends his hand and I shake that hand. That's you know he's been around presidents and hall of famers and all these people. And I said, Mister Buck, I'm, I'm Tom Ackerman. I, you know, I've read your book twice and I, you know, I just you know this, uh, I'm here to do anything I, c- I can do to to you know, sir, to to be to help. And he said, What kind of pizza do you like, kid? And I said, uh, Pepperoni. And he said, I'll buy it if you go downstairs and get it. <laughs> and I said, you got it, sir. So I, w- I brought it upstairs and, you know, shared a pizza with Jack Buck. People would come in and get a slice. And, and my mom called me when he was out of the room and said, you know, we're, I haven't heard from you all day. How's it going today? And I said, I'm having pizza with Jack Buck. I got to go. Click. She's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, he's coming back. I got to go. Uh, yeah, Mom, it, what are you doing? Like the yeah. dishes?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was
2: just incredible. And I... Uh, so, yeah, I, I absolutely value those times. That was like a, a four-year, five-year education with Jack Buck before he passed away in 2002. But, yeah, and think about what I was able to walk into. So I covered the team in 97. I got there in August of 97. My first day at KMOX was the day Mark McGuire was traded to the Cardinals. Holy shit. Yeah, 98. Ooh, that's he, karma, man. Yeah. Hey, I mean, let's, that's us 98, a, that's he asterisk. has this unbelievable year, and... You know, we all know now that it was steroid-fueled, but that doesn't take away the emotions of the moment that we all experienced at the right. time. We thought we were witnessing something that was just, you know, it, it was it was mind-blowing. And, and I got to cover that. And then in 99, as I mentioned, in 2000, the Cardinals go on this run of winning seasons that they're still on where they took one step back in there. But otherwise, they've been a winning playoff team most of the time through that stretch and every single year I really thought boy I really caught them. and at the same time I'm covering the Rams they go to the Super Bowl in 2000 the Blues won the President's Trophy yeah they was, were hammers that, that year that was the Pronger I, and I was Katron. around them a lot I was going to all their skates and around Pronger Pronger and I uh, had I was friends with his brother-in-law so we end up becoming friends we're on a fantasy football team together I'm like what is <laughs> happening I'm, a tw- I'm 20. Five years old, Where, yeah, so, and it's so, a Super Bowl champion and a, and a playoff baseball team and, a, and an awesome hockey team and Jack Buck. So, so that's Golly, kind of my question that's because phenomenal.
0: I, because it, one, you you mentioned it earlier. You said that <clears throat> excuse me that your that your father had passed away suddenly of a heart attack, and I'm I'm hearing you tell this story and I lost my dad a few years ago in 14, um, and so and I'm thinking about this like. I'm imagining your life if you zoomed out at that age and you look at, you know, where you're at, who you're talking to, who you're hanging with, who you're working with, who you're having pepperoni pizza with, right? And you're covering, you know, one of the greatest periods in St. Louis sports history when you look at the to- totality. Maybe the greatest. Uh, arguably so. Um you know, did, did, did that, did, did your dad play a role in your mindset and, you know, the, the
2: successes that you were experiencing? Do you think, do you
0: think, do you think that, that he was part of that?
2: Absolutely. And I think that he still does in a lot of ways, and it will be 30 years in June that he has passed away. And I still do think about without him being into sports like he was and being friends with a lot of coaches he was a big supporter of Mizzou football and I got to go to games with him and get to know some of the coaches and I, I listened to all of them talk and I picked up on coach speak and how they were and and, and earned some uh I had a lot of respect for them but I earned their respect because I knew I would study the game so I could be part of the conversations it definitely helped me so I do I'm very grateful I think about that all the time during that time also though remember i'm not making a lot of money so <laughs> i'm trying to do all i can and i'm working around the clock and to some extent like i still have that mentality my wife sometimes tells me like it's okay like you can have let some of the younger guys do that yeah. you know like you could take some time off you, you you're not you're not i'm hustling trying, you're yeah. hustling but I, but i always you know so there was a point though where Yes, I'm involved in all of this stuff, but I was going so hard that I almost burned myself out. I, I, I think that I was just pedaled to the metal and I I didn't have the structure that I have now, wife, kids, responsibility, family, where I take lots of time. I'm with my kids all the time. I picked them up today from school before I came back down and did an event at Bush Stadium, but <laughs> uh, I, you know, I'm with them all the time. I, I coach my daughter's basketball team. I'm around my daughter's lacrosse team. I, I talked to him through homework and we eat dinner together. Like those days, if I, in my twenties envisioned that based on the pace that I was on, I don't know if, if that would have been reality for me because I was going so hard, but I did enjoy it. I definitely soaked it in. I mean, I knew exactly what was going on. I'm a St. Louis kid. This dream is coming true. Soak this in and, oh, by the way, there's Jack Buck again. Hi, Mr. Buck, how are you? I mean, I, yeah. I, I was every time I saw him, it was like, I can't believe that I'm doing this. But then again, I am here for a reason. They asked me to be here, so I'm just going to go to work. Let and, me ask you And this. it's working. So
1: um, the, the MC game, um, you MC some of the marquee events, most of the marquee events, sporting-wise, in our city. Talk about, for our listeners, some of the events you MC, what your favorite uh, event is to emcee and do you like emceeing events
2: better than announcing a game that's interesting i think they're very close to me and that is actually surprising in that i did do some acting in high school and i did do you know i played piano and you know i had done some things in front of crowds before but Public speaking in front of crowds became something that I really enjoyed and to this day really feel comfortable doing. I love bigger and crazier the better. I'll do an event you know, this weekend that will have 500 people for a charity, but then I'll go and do something in front of fans or at a bar. I don't, I don't care where it is. I, I really enjoy being in front of people and speaking. And that has been something maybe somewhat unexpected. I, I know Jack did all of those things and I watched him do it I did not envision that I would be emceeing this much but I really enjoy it I think the the idea that I can use my platform to raise money for somebody and all I'm doing is just getting the crowd stoked and then asking them to donate some money because they're generous and because they care a lot about that's why they're there they care about the charity so you're able to raise money But then there are other events, too. You asked me my favorite, and that would be the Jack Buck Awards at the MAC. That one, because I know that Jack did it for a number of years. He helped start it. It was his idea to get it going. And Joe did it after he passed away, and then they handed it off to me. means the world to me. So that one is the one that probably means the most because it is a celebration of St. Louis sports. It's in front of a crowd that... By the time we get going, it's like 8 o'clock, 8.15. They've had a few drinks in them at that point. So you can kind of loosen up and deliver a couple of one-liners. It's really one of the only times that I kind of, in my mind, think of a couple of jokes that I can really dig in and get some hearty laughs and that's addicting. If you say something and the crowd responds and laughs or the crowd cheers, you're like, yes! And you're like, man, this feels good. It really is Well, and you don't have the uh, airwave police overhead. And and, And by the way, that's the other thing, though. The Jack Buck Awards are broadcast live. Oh. On KMOX. So you have to you have to be a little careful (laughs) but then again i think the audience at home knows it's the jack buck awards so you can you can take it to a different level i'm just just always going to call and complain right
1: who's
0: going to be that karen talk about
1: the Stan usual awards because i I have some family friends uh uh, people that have attended the Stan usual awards and i've never had anybody say that's a, a phenomenal event um and By all accounts, you do an awesome job at that event specifically.
2: Uh, Is is that one up there on the list as well? I appreciate it. That one, the Museal Awards, you know, Mike Bush emcees it, but I do play a role when it comes to doing a lot of interviews and build up to it and being part of that, and I'm the voice over the, the speaker inside Stiefel Theater to get, you know, everybody introduced and I, I do a lot of production with it but that one to me my heart is in it because it is about good sportsmanship it's what I was taught how sports are supposed to be you know and, and it has bled into you know how I coach the girls basketball team that I have we are a very competitive uh, they're very very tough you know we won a lot of games this year but I'm very proud of how they have learned good sportsmanship and handled situations. Do you and press and do you play man-to-man? Man? press <laughs>
1: the entire game. Unless <laughs> we're go. up big,
2: then we back off. We always play man. We never play zone. Yes. And we press, and we love to press because we're fast, so we like to speed up the game. And I, I love watching them play. But, you know, I've had some games where the officiating wasn't great or the other coach was saying some things and I had to use some restraint Not to criticize and not to really pay attention to the other coach because I want to set a good example for those girls. Well, I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to transition
0: into this anyway because one of the core themes that we cover often on our show is really the parent role slash experience within their child's sport. And you've already laid out, you know, if you're, you know, for those that are listening, you now know that he coaches his daughter's basketball team. Um, but you also are in a unique position because you've been around the game your whole life, right? You're, you are kind of uh, within the pro category. And so many of the individuals that we talk to, specifically on the soccer side, that came from the pro categories, players, coaches, etc., as it pertains to their kid, most of the time, and you, I think you would agree, they go to the back row. Like, they purposely disappear. Talk a little bit about your desire or your decision to engage in the front row literally and how you manage that knowing that you
2: know the game and you have that enthusiasm how do you temper that with your own daughter and her team i was that dad for a few years so she started playing in second grade she played second third and fourth grade and i was the dad quietly sitting in the seats just watching the game and then at the end i would Tell everybody they did a great job and shake hands with everybody and leave. And then in fourth grade, the coach couldn't make it one day. They played two games. The first team didn't show up. So I'm 1-0, forfeit.
0: Yes. <laughs> Stop then. Yes. Second, <laughs> <Go> team, <none. laughs>
2: second team we beat. So I'm 2-0. And uh, and it was nice. I enjoyed it. I filled in as the coach, and we won. And, and that, that felt nice fifth grade was different fifth grade was we entered at the uh, junior rams which is uh ladue feeder league are you and playing in the cnr league cnr Yep. Yeah. okay yeah. and um so there were tryouts for this team and once they had the tryouts and they had everything they said you know here's here's the the fifth grade girls everybody's going to make this team you're going to have 13, 14 girls on this team, they were talking to the parents. The only thing we don't have is a coach. So if anybody <laughs> would like to volunteer, just let us know. And a few parents kind of turned and looked my way. And one of the co- the coach who coached fourth grade, he had a lot of stuff going on. He's coaching soccer and his mom and his kids are all over the place and just didn't have the time for it. And I thought about it and I said, I'll do it. And my wife was like, how are you going to have time? I, yeah, I was wondering. too was how are you look at time? He, like saying, hell no. And I said... I will make time for this. My daughter's on this team, and I thought in my mind, if anything, this will be great quality time to spend with her. It was taking on a lot. I have a big team, but it took me a very short amount of time to realize how special this was. I put my phone away. I was back dribbling a basketball, lacing them up. I used to play growing up, so I was back where I really enjoy being on a basketball court with players, teaching them the basics. I had some players who had never played before, who by the end of the season had significant roles on our team and became, one of them in particular, became one of our better players. This year she was one of our better players. She was in our starting lineup. Watching her develop into a basketball player has been very special for me. Watching my daughter learn and just the team in general. Winning does help and we've we've won a lot of games, but the whole thing of just watching these kids, and I let them goof off. I mean, they're doing TikToks Stop being and kids. stuff. Yeah. They're doing TikToks and stuff, and climbing the the bleachers before practice. But when I blow the whistle and it's time to get to work, you know, we go to work and we practice and we scrimmage and we're. We, I send them off to their parents worn out. But like my responsibility is to take care of these girls, take care of these kids for a couple hours, twice a week. That is great i mean it's like they're like my daughters yeah yeah
1: how difficult and be real be honest fifth grade girls basketball 13 to 14 kids how difficult is it to coach a team with 14 girls trying to get play five spots?
2: It is very difficult. That's, that's a very difficult
1: yeah,
0: shuffle. I, that was going to be my question. How do you manage the parents more importantly? Because I think the, the girls I got lucky on that one.
2: Parents are all great. Now, we knew some of the parents going back to a lot of these girls have been together since the second grade. So I knew a lot of the parents going in. I'd say, if anything, where I had to be careful was the kids because we had a handful of girls in this year also who had never played before, beginners. But their parents are coming to the game. i got to get them into the game. I got I yeah. want to teach them and mm-hmm. practice and have them learn. But you also, every minute that I have them in, I'm taking away from a player who has been playing for a while and really wants this for the next year and the next year because they want to eventually play in high school. So there is a balance there. And I thought that I actually found it. I'd, I had very few. There, there was a strong push from some of the parents early in the year to split it into two teams. But my point was 14 girls, 7 and 7 does not work. If I have a team of 7 and 2 on the bench, what if I have girls who get sick or injured or go on vacation or get COVID or, you know, I don't know. So I'm going to be shorthanded. And sure enough, we had many games where we had 10 and 4 out, 9 and 5 out, and we still were winning with this, rotation of kids because i had the depth plus we're pressing the whole game so i'm i'm <laughs> you we're, need to rotate. We're running so i'm i'm rotating and i would do five and then another five and then i would start to filter in some other girls off the bench and it did work it, it really did That's work. Awesome. It was fun. I mean, I get into it. I can show you. Like, I have on my phone, I have, like, the, <laughs> the players, and I would move them in and out of rotations, like, trying to figure out which five work with which five. It was fun. I mean, I treated this thing like it was the NBA finals. Uh, tactically, are you Bob Knight? Are you running his press? Are you running everything
1: from IU basketball? I'm running <laughs> something similar to that. Uh,
2: actually, something similar to what Mizzou was doing, although I, I didn't know that, you know, that, that they were going to do that. But I run a five-out motion offense so that means that all five start beyond the three-point line and then you know you're basically it's up to you to cut get open screen and basically everybody has an opportunity to have a lane to drive to the basket and if you see somebody's out of place you try to get open then go back and replace them so that that's kind of what we would do and then we play straight man-to-man we do not ever play zone and we ran into a lot of zones so that five out works against a zone because the zone packs in. We're around the three point line, so I'm not I don't want to give away. If some, so, like so, somebody's so at
0: this at this point, though, in your career, <laughs> you know you've, you 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 have the responsibilities of the mothership, that being KMOX, and now you have this team. When you wake up in the morning on game day, dual game day, your girls and the Cardinals, which one stresses you out the most as you're drinking your
2: coffee? Oh, definitely the girls' team. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely the girls' team. You know, like I, I. We lost our last game. So we went 15 and 2. Wow. We played a preseason tournament. We lost the first game by a point. We didn't have time to think about it because we had another game an hour later. Right. And we won that. And then we won the next two. So we went 3 and 1 in the tournament. Then in the regular season, we went 12 and 0. And we lost the last game of the season by 3. And I sat there. Did you lose to Clayton? All night. No, we lost to. Wentzville. Say it wasn't Wentzville. No, we beat Thank God. R3 would be Wentzville, right? They <laughs> they might be the best team we played. R3 school district is Wentzville. I'm going right? to say Dominic Guy. We we Maybe beat a team Dominic called – Dominic Guy. <laughs> the, ba- the best team we played was a team called R3 basketball. We beat them, but they were really good. No, we lost to a team at the end. They weren't from Wentzville, but they were – gosh, I can't remember. They were a club team that – I forget the name, but it was not a you – know. Anyway, we, we lost to them by three, and I sat there – for a longest time, thinking, what could I have done differently? I ran through like the whole game in my head. But yeah, you want, you just, you know, you want it for them. But I told them at the end of the season, I said, think about this: you lost the first game by a point, you lost the last game by three, you won 15 games in a row. Wow, that doesn't happen in sports very often, and especially in basketball. You Those guys girls won-
1: got a lot to be proud of.
2: You guys won 15 in a row. I mean, that's a heck of a year. And then I threw a chair. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, please tell
0: me you didn't choke anybody. (laughs) Bad. (laughs) Tom, this has been a blast, man. We really appreciate you taking the time because we know uh, between KMOX Cardinals, all of your other responsibilities, and clearly this basketball team that is your pride and joy, you're a busy man. Uh, Thank you for your time. Glad you enjoyed the beer down here. Well spent. We'd we'd love to love to bring you back because a lot of this stuff is going to be cycling. You know so if you if you'd be willing would love to have you back in the fall and catch up see how things are going I
2: would love to do it it's great great to catch up with you guys and a great place well spent is awesome I've now discovered a great place to hang out grab a beer well and if if you come down around happy hour too they've got this uh crockpot right they got yeah. a crockpot
0: it's tamale man tamales
2: what I got? Poor knowledge.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or What's going on here? Yeah. It's shh. Don't tell anybody. Yeah. We're on the air. Yeah, it's brilliant. Check them out. Um, thank you for your time. We'll 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 be in touch. We'll keep up. Um, thank everybody for listening. Um, really appreciate the support. You know the follows and the reviews and all that stuff. I'm going to say the same thing. Yeah. We appreciate it all. Uh, send it to a friend that needs to hear these stories because we know this is part therapy, part history, and a lot of nonsense uh watch beef on netflix that's my closing shot jared you got anything
1: ah thanks tom i mean i tell you what i'm a huge fan of yours uh, i can't wait to uh continue to watch and listen to your guys's coverage of all sports all things sports um keep up the good work man i
0: appreciate it guys i do have a, a parting question real quick what's yeah. the name of you and pronger's uh fantasy football team oh man
2: oh no we were in a league together so we each had different teams okay i can't so remember the name of the league but quick funny story was i was doing a po- rams post game show at the dome and i'm up in the press box doing the show and the producer in my ear says hey you got a chris on the line i'm like okay you know they, they tell you who the caller is you know i'm like let's go to chris chris you're on camo x yeah tom All right, so, uh Let's talk trade here, Ladanian Tomlinson. I'm like <laughs> is this Chris Pronger? <laughs> oh man. He was trying to trade proposal on kmox for me. Now, awesome. great. Did you make the deal? I did not make the deal. Did you hang up yeah, the phone quickly tough. I said, get rid of that guy. That <laughs> Cut him off. All right, everybody, be
0: good. we'll We'll catch you next time.